Not guilty on all counts. Justice was served in the case of Kyle Rittenhouse, with a jury unanimously deciding the 18-year-old acted in self-defense. The verdict came as a shock to anyone who hadn't been following the case or examined the mountain of evidence supporting his claims, which is to say everyone whose information comes exclusively from left-wing media outlets. My thoughts on the verdict and a subsequent reaction in tonight's Hold the Line. First count of the information, Joseph Rosenbaum. We, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the second count of the information, Richard McGinnis, we, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the third count of the information, unknown male, we, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the fourth count of the information, Anthony Huber, we, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. Not guilty on all counts. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. The right verdict. The just verdict. Many of us were worried about this. There was so much political pressure on the Kyle Rittenhouse case, obvious from the way the prosecution conducted itself. And we know that the narrative had overtaken the facts for over a year. Fortunately, there was video of what occurred that night, or, or else perhaps it would have been Kyle Rittenhouse found guilty just based on the narrative, not the actual facts of the case, not the reality of what transpired that night in Kenosha. We know the Democrats, of course, are furious about this. They really wanted to see this young man locked up for the rest of his life for murder in the first degree, effectively. And adding to that list is, well, Joe Biden eventually, but here's his first take, which seemed to say, you know, this is how our system works, and he respects it. Watch. Do you have any, do you have any reaction to the Kyle Rittenhouse I just heard a moment ago. Do you have any reaction? I, I didn't watch the trial, so I, you know. Do you stand by your past comment equating him to white supremacy? Well, look, I stand by what the jury has concluded. The jury system works, and we have to abide by it. Stands by the jury. This is the system. Okay, I mean, obviously trying to avoid making a statement one way or the other. But look, from Joe Biden, I'll take that, right? I, I would accept that statement as better than what I would expect. Oh, but then the woke pressure got to him. And all of a sudden, he had to amend the statement, say something else. Here he is. While the verdict in Kenosha will leave many Americans feeling angry and concerned, myself included, we must acknowledge that the jury has spoken. I ran on a promise to bring Americans together because I believe that what unites us is far greater than what divides us. Why will people feel angry? Myself included, right? He's saying he's angry. Why is Joe Biden angry? Does he not believe in self-defense? Does he not believe in a fair trial? Where does that anger come from, Joe Biden? I'm just wondering. The leftist lunatics who attack Kyle Rittenhouse, including a convicted several times over child rapist. Are, are you on their team in this whole thing? Explain this one to me. I'm very curious. But no, of course, Biden is just trying to pander. Doesn't want to upset the left-wing lunatic base that is necessary for him and for the Democrat Party to continue to function. He knows at some level that they're crazy, but he certainly can't tell them that. Here's Kamala Harris. She was also asked about this issue. Well, what should we take from the Rittenhouse trial? And she says, well, of course, our system just isn't equitable enough. Hey guys, well, it's the fifth trip, and um, I 
have questions about the verdict, and the verdict really speaks for itself. As many of you know, I've spent a majority of my career working to make the criminal justice system more equitable, and clearly there's a lot more work to do. Again, what does that mean? There's more work to do. Why? The system worked exactly as it's supposed to. Both sides, the state and the defendant, had their ability to present their cases. A jury ruled. What's the problem? Why are they acting like they're... What was the failure of justice? Say it, Kamala. Say it, Joe. You think this man was guilty because he's not allowed to defend himself when a bunch of leftist maniacs are rampaging through a city in the name of BLM or whatever? Is that what it is? They should have to say that. They should have to come out and tell everybody that that's what they think, the president and vice president of the United States. There should be accountability for this. There should be some responsibility for those who were pushing lies about Kyle Rittenhouse the whole time. Here's his attorney, Mark Richards, saying that there were well-known in some news circles, media personalities who were just full of crap when it came to what they said about Kyle Rittenhouse. I can say this, um, much of the coverage at the beginning was wrong. The trial proved that. But just in the last two weeks, you know, people might not believe this, but I watch MSNBC, CNN. I'm not a big Fox guy. And, you know, when I hear Joe Scarborough saying that my client shot his gun 60 times, that's wrong. When I hear some, you know, guest host on the Joy Reid say that my client drove four hours to go to a riot with his AR, that's wrong. It's false. And it makes me angry that they can't take the time to at least get the generic basic facts correct. And because it didn't fit in the story that they wanted to tell. They simply don't care what the facts were. That's what you see from the Democrat corporate media. It doesn't matter that they lied to you. They don't care that they lied and it's been proven. And now we've seen the case and clearly Rittenhouse was engaged in self-defense. The jury saw it. Anyone could see it. Literally saw it on video, folks. Not just like painting a picture with words here. But Chuck Todd, because he's a smarmy lib and has to do the bidding of his paymasters over at NBC, he's out there to tell everybody, well, maybe next time there's a protest those gun owners might get itchy trigger fingers or something. Watch. I, uh, you know, no, it's pretty obvious to me. More people the next time there's a uh, a protest of some sort, and it may get politicized, that gun gun owners with a certain ideology may feel incentivized now, may feel even emboldened, and that does seem to be an uncomfortable message that that may be received by some. Incentivized how? To do what? Nothing happens if you don't have people with criminal backgrounds who are part of a mob torching a city attacking Kyle Rittenhouse. So what, what is he even talking about? Emboldened to do what? To lawfully carry a firearm and walk down the streets of an American city that they have every right to be in, just like anybody else? Not allowed to be there unless you're a rioter? Is that the rule? And then, of course, there are the people that are just so pathetic that they're blaming the judge as if it's the judge's fault the jury came to the only logical conclusion here based on the facts. Maxine Waters, though, doesn't care about facts.
I was absolutely disappointed in the judge. He demonstrated from the very beginning that he was on the side of the defendant. Uh, the business of not letting the jury decide on the gun issue, whether or not he uh, was too young to have had a gun, he took that unto himself. He was the talk of the country, the way that he conducted himself. And he was brazen, he was bold, he was on the side of the defendant, and I don't think justice has been served. He was on the side of the defendant? In what way? Well, she, I mean, she doesn't even know what the rules of the courtroom might be. She doesn't know what the law is. It doesn't matter, right? Just didn't like the outcome. Let's blame the judge. No surprise. Oh, and will they stop calling him a terrorist, a white supremacist, a racist? Will they stop saying that about Kyle Rittenhouse? Nope. Doesn't matter that he's innocent of any actual crime. Here's MSNBC for you. Ellie, I'm disgusted at what I'm seeing. It's not just this trial, it's other trials, but this in particular, the fact that white supremacists roam the halls of Congress freely and celebrate this little murderous white supremacist and the fact that he gets to walk the streets freely, it lets you know these people have access to instituting uh, laws. They represent the legislative branch of this country. What are we to make of that? Unbelievable. All right, we'll have more on the reaction, the Rittenhouse verdict with right of the Federalist Evita Duffy coming up, but let's talk about a potential investment opportunity. You ever thought about investing in real estate? I want you to take me up on this recommendation right now. Go to doneforyoubuck.com. You can learn more about my friends at Done For Your Real Estate. These guys have found a way to make real estate investing straightforward, and their system flat out works. It allows everyday, hardworking Americans like you and me to finally own investment real estate without all the risk and difficulty of doing it on your own. I can't tell you in strong enough terms during this quick commercial how important it is you check these guys out. So how about this? If you visit doneforyoubuck.com, at the top of the page is a podcast interview I did with Done For Your Real Estate where you can hear my personal experience with their company in my own words. I'll tell you about it in detail, picking the city, the house, getting the broker, the loan, even getting a tenant in place so I get cash flow coming to me every month. Go to doneforyoubuck.com and give my friends a chance to show you what they can do for you. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. Kyle Rittenhouse wasn't the only person to rally to the defense of his community during riots in the summer of 2020. As Antifa burned cities like Kenosha, Portland, and Chicago, thousands of people stood up to the wanton acts of violence and destruction, whether it was by defending private property, putting out fires, or scrubbing graffiti off of buildings. For that, they should be commended. In a new piece published in The Federalist, writer Avita Duffy says, Democrats in the corporate media want you to believe that citizens not only shouldn't arm themselves in defense of their communities, but that they cannot legally do so. Make no mistake, this lie is meant to justify Democrats' continued attacks on the American people's right to bear arms. More importantly, it was Rittenhouse's moral duty and that of all able-bodied men over the age of 16 to defend Kenosha against the vandals, looters, and arsonists who were destroying the city. Evita Duffy, writer for The Federalist, joins now to break down her article. Evita, good to see you. Thanks for having me. So as you know, the narrative about Rittenhouse now has gone from he crossed state lines... And then they figured out that that was, wasn't actually illegal, and a lot of people cross state lines for a lot of things, to right. he shouldn't have been there. You go in the, even further in the direction of, no, not only was it okay for him to be there, for him to be there, it was commendable. Tell us more. Right, so I mean, this goes right to government. 
Governor Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers did not send adequate numbers of National Guardmen to protect the city. So the only law enforcement that was there um, was was able to only protect the, the city square. So public buildings like the courthouse um, and the post office. So regular people were left to fend for themselves. So if, you're, if you had a home or a business in uptown or downtown Kenosha, you were at the mercy of the mob. And so that's why in my article, I argue that actually it was a good thing that there were people like Kyle Rittenhouse that were there to stand up when the government failed to do so um, and, and defend the community that is Kenosha. And we have that right under the Second Amendment. And Democrats don't want you to believe that. Um, and if they do believe it, they don't want it to be there anymore. And I think that's that's a real problem that we're facing right now in the United States. And you, you've been covering that there were a lot of other people. I, I think this hasn't gotten much attention. That Rittenhouse mm -hmm. wasn't the only individual in Kenosha trying to stop the violence, stop the fires, clean up graffiti. What can you tell us about who, what was going on with that? Yeah, that, that, so that's exactly right. One one of the men that I, I talked to there, is, his name was Chuck. He owns a, a tire shop in uptown Kenosha. And he wasn't ready to let um, his business be absolutely torched by BLM and Antifa riders. So he spent every night on his roof with guns defending himself. He had to do that. That was, and um, he had no other choice. There was another man, um, a 70 year old man, who saw looters um, stealing from the 100 year old Danish Brotherhood in downtown, um, I'm sorry, in uptown Kenosha. And he tried to use a fire extinguisher to stop them. Um, and the poor man, this he's an elderly man, they beat him um, so bad that he had to get stitches to the head. He broke his jaw in three places. But that's the kind of masculinity that, um, is a good thing that we need to see more of in the United States. Um, and that was part of the reason why some places in Kenosha didn't get hit as hard as they would if regular citizens didn't stand up for themselves. There also are people in the media who are still making this claim about vigilanteism here, as if Rittenhouse showed up to dispense justice to people through violence as, a, as an act of, you know, judge, jury, and executioner. Here is Van Jones saying that this is white vigilante violence. Uh, this idea of white vigilante violence is something that we have to wrestle with. And it may not be, uh, be done in one single court case, but we've got a pattern now where white men feel that they have the right to enforce the law themselves. Uh, that, that doesn't seem to be supported, or I should say wasn't supported by the facts of the case at all. One gets a sense of media that the media, and at least some voices in the media, the Democrat media, don't care what was shown at trial. No, they don't. Um, and and that's, that's exactly why they made this about white people and white men. This, this case had nothing to do with race. It was um, all white people and they made it a black white thing, which is, which is just ridiculous. Um, but I wanna say that just because you're carrying a gun doesn't mean that you are ready to, to cause harm to other people, that you're seeking to cause harm. That's what Democrats in urban areas think. As a woman who's from Wisconsin, I can tell you guns mean a lot of things and they don't always mean that. And actually most of the time they don't mean that. My fiance went with me on my reporting trip to Kenosha and he was armed too. People are armed to protect themselves not necessarily to hurt other people. And I really wish that members of the Democrat corporate media would figure that out. Were there a lot of people that were armed that night, either legally or illegally in some cases in Kenosha? Yeah, I mean, I 
every street corner, every business that that didn't want themselves to, to get absolutely destroyed by these um, arsonists and looters had men with guns standing in front defending their homes and businesses. I mean, that's what you had to do because there was no law enforcement there to protect them. And how widespread? I mean, give us a sense of what kind of destruction, because they keep talking about how Kyle shouldn't have been there, um, they being Democrat leftists in the media and the Democrat Party overall. There's never really any focus on why were the rioters there and what were they doing? You were there that night. What'd you see? No, I mean, it's, it is astounding that we're talking about Kyle Rittenhouse not being from Kenosha, not having a right to be in Kenosha. By the way, Kenosha is Kyle's community. The BLM and Antifa rioters are the ones who came from out of, out, out of state, from places that had nothing to do with Kenosha. These were people from Portland and from Chicago who were bussed in on the second night and they torched the city. Kenoshans did not do um, the rioting. I, I talked to multiple people in Kenosha, many people, and they all said, this is from out of state. Um, and they, they absolutely torched the city. I mean, the effects were devastating. It was $50 million in damage, 100 businesses affected, 40 never reopened. That's a big number for a small town like Kenosha. Um, and and it's, it's, it, was, it was really just, it was heartbreaking. But it also proved the point that there needed to be other people there to stop it from getting worse. I can't imagine how much worse it would have been if there weren't people like Kyle Rittenhouse ready to stand up and defend the city. Jacob Blake's uncle spoke out against Rittenhouse's uh, bail money, who it was raised by. Watch this. If somebody's in uh, before that shows the cowboy sign, then goes into a bar at 17 and throws it up again, you know his ideology. They talk about harming African-Americans. They talk about harming minorities. And he acted it out. Now, you tell us why he got a free ride. His bail money was raised by the Proud Boys, the Ku Klux Klan, uh, the Nazis, the skinheads. Are they plugged up in this courtroom? Do we know the history of this judge? I heard he's been racist as hell to these, these people in Kenosha for many years. Do we know his background? The judge is racist. Everyone raising money for Kyle Rittenhouse's bail is racist. Doesn't matter what the facts are, does it? They're just going to keep saying this. No, it, it doesn't. And like I said, these are not these are not you know race agitators who were out defending Kenosha. These were regular Americans, most of them from Kenosha, who just didn't want their property and their homes to be torched. That's what that's all this was. Um, and the race agitators are actually the BLM and Antifa riders who poured in from from Portland and Chicago. Um, so the irony is is so rich, and um, it just proves it just proves the point that Democrats can't um, can't do anything without making this a race war um, when it really has nothing to do with it. Vita, thank you for bringing your perspective to this one. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. As predicted, Dr. Fauci and the biomedical fascists are preparing the American people for mandatory booster shot to be considered fully vaccinated. I'll discuss in the latest edition of The Buck Brief. I want to tell you about my friends at My Digital Money. Crypto market is moving, folks. You want to get on the action? You got to know where to start. Bitcoin, Ethereum, so many digital tokens out there. That's why you need My Digital Money. My Digital Money is an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with great customer service. They'll actually answer your phone call and help you get started. Plus, they offer an unparalleled military-grade security for your coins. Look, crypto is heating up. This could be a great time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. You deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back. That's what you'll get with My Digital Money. Go to MyDigitalMoney.com. Again, that's MyDigitalMoney.com. We'll be right back.
The Food and Drug Administration has thrown a wrench into the term fully vaccinated, issuing a blanket recommendation for every adult in America to get the booster shot. This comes just two months after the FDA's external advisory panel voted down boosters for all adults by a six to 12 uh, vote, a six to two vote rather, due to the concerns of insufficient data on younger people. So what's the bottom line? I have all that coming up in the Buck Brief. I've been saying this for months because it's been pretty obvious, right? If you've seen the way the Fauciite incrementalism has unfolded, you know that it always starts with it's the science, it's the data, and then it's, hey, we recommend you do this. And then it's, we really recommend, and then it quickly turns into do this or else. That's the way it was with masks. That's the way it was with vaccines. And it's about to be the way it is with boosters too. Fully vaccinated is a term we've all come to know. Breakthrough infection, another term we've come to know that maybe isn't quite as applicable anymore. But let's focus on fully vaccinated for a second. That's the way people refer to somebody who has either had had either one shot of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine or both shots of either Pfizer or Moderna or one of these other two-shot regimens. Well, turns out that in the era of rapidly waning vaccine protection from infection, if you're going to be considered fully vaccinated, you got to actually get boosted as well. Here is Scott Gottlieb. You've already seen governors in, in Connecticut and New Mexico say three doses is fully vaccinated. Should the CDC say you need a booster to be considered fully vaccinated? I think at some point they're going to, but not this year. I think eventually um, this will be considered a three-dose vaccine. A three-dose vaccine? Why not a four-dose vaccine? Or five? Or six? Do they know that the additional booster is going to have such better long-term efficacy than the shots we've already gotten, for those who have gotten the shot. What are they basing that on? If they have that data, can't they share it with us? Can't they show us why they seem to have this belief that, don't worry, we told you you were done the first time around when you got the shot, and now we're saying you need a booster, but we're promising you you only have to get the booster this one time. Or are they even saying that? Are they willing to say that at this point? Are we heading toward what some of us, I certainly have been one of them, have been saying is inevitable here, which is mandatory boosters for COVID forever. Every year, you're going to have to get another COVID shot. Every year, there's going to be another time when you're told you have to. For the purposes of protecting your community, you have to get the shot. Here's Dr. Anthony Fauci saying... Hopefully, the yearly COVID inoculation is going to increase vaccine durability. We follow the data, and there's always, it's so easy to predict, Martha, about how often you would need it. We would hope, and, and, and this is something that we're looking at very carefully, that that third shot with the mRNA not only boosts you way up, but increases the durability so that you will not necessarily need it every six months or a year. We're hoping it pushes it out more. If it doesn't, and the data show we do need it more often, then we'll do it. Uh, so if the booster doesn't give this much longer protection, based on what, by the way? Where, where's their reason to believe that that would actually happen? 
if the first shot wears off after three to six months, why wouldn't the next regimen of the booster wear, wear off after that? Do they have any explanation for it? No. Hoping. That's what Fauci's doing. Hoping, he said. But really, isn't this just about not telling the American people what's actually going on and what we're heading toward? Isn't this really just a function of they can't let you know exactly what you're facing until they've gotten you to do more of it, and then it's harder for you to back off of it? Isn't that the situation? Here is Fauci telling everybody that they do the best they can, you know, and it's just the data and sorry. We let the science and the data follow. So we're going to take a look right now at what the durability is of the booster. And we're going to follow people who get boosted. We don't know right now. You have to be perfectly transparent and honest. We're going to be doing the best we can to keep the American public optimally protected. If that means that that's going to be a boost that will absolutely everyone will have to have, then so be it. We'll do it that way. Uh, everyone has to have mandatory boosters. That's what they want to do. And yet they've already told you they don't even know what the booster's real effect is going to be over the long term. They don't know. They simply do not know. He had to say that here because there's no data to base this on whatsoever. He's just a guess. Just a guess. How bad can this really get? They're not going to stop. They're never going to stop. You need to understand that. We have to stop them from doing this. Here is in Australia to give you a sense of where we could be going, what our future could look like. Chief Minister Gunner talking about how the Australian military is now transporting positive COVID cases in military vehicles and trucks to quarantine camps. These are strong measures, but the threat to lives is extreme. An expanded rapid assessment team was deployed to Binjari and Rockhole last night to help with the hard lockdown, begin the contact tracing work and provide as much support as possible to residents. I contacted the Prime Minister last night. We are grateful for the support of about 20 ADF personnel as well as army trucks to assist with the transfer of positive cases and close contacts and to support the communities. We are doing an assessment today of what extra resources we might need from the feds and the Prime Minister is ready to help further. I thank him and the Australian government for that. Mm. Notice how Fauci never speaks out against any of the excesses of lockdowns, any of the clearly insane supposed COVID mitigation policies from around the world or here at home in the States. Never says, ah, oh, that's too far, guys. You, you, we need to balance things out. It's never about a balance. It's about control. Always about control. But are there some places where they realize they might lose control because the politics would turn against them so quickly? Chuck Todd asked Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary, when he's not on parental leave, uh, why not mandate vaccines for air travel? Here's what he said. So it sounds like you don't want to implement a vaccine mandate for, for domestic air travel. I, I guess why not? Uh, it, I, other than you're nervous about doing something that's politically divisive, I guess. But if we're trying to get to the end of this pandemic, continuing to have sort of loopholes to avoid a vaccine seems to elongate this pandemic. What we're doing right now is working to make air travel safe. Uh, again, it's a little bit of a different picture, of course, when you have international travel because different countries have different standards, which is why as part of opening our, uh, our, our travel again for international travel or something I was delighted to see happen earlier this month, we did include those vaccine requirements. How is it working? What, what is he even basing that on? Oh, masking up? Even, you know, mask up between bites on the plane? 
These people are honestly, they're just morons and they're cowards and they won't tell you the truth because they don't have to, not in their minds. They need to control you. All right, details are still emerging about the man responsible for killing at least five people, injuring 40 more by driving right into a Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin. We'll have the latest in that tragedy with former NYPD officer and conservative commentator John Cardillo. Let's talk about protecting for right now, the most valuable asset you own, your home. You have homeowner's insurance for good reason, right? Because without it, bad things happen to your home. You could be out of luck, ruin you financially. That's why you need home title lock. Title fraud happens when a criminal forges your signature on documents stating you sold your home to him. Then he takes out loans against your home and leaves you with the payments. You'll spend a fortune in legal fees trying to prove you didn't commit fraud. Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect anyone from a cyber thief to a renter to a relative trying to forge their way under your home's title, they help shut it down. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. Enter radio for 30 free days of protection. That's code radio at HomeTitleLock.com. John Cardillo joins us in just a moment. Tragedy hits Wisconsin. At least five people killed, more than 40 injured, including 18 children, following the lethal incident at a Christmas parade in Waukesha over the weekend in Wisconsin. Shocking video shows a speeding SUV plowing through crowds of families and marchers. Witnesses describe the scene as horrific. Watch. Next thing I heard were screams and turned my head and saw the car come and plow into the band that was just past my balcony at that point. It hit at least two people right away, rolled over both of them. It was just absolute chaos, people screaming, and I immediately ran downstairs outside of my apartment and I could see kids just laying on the street. Police have taken into custody 39-year-old Daryl Brooks with an extensive criminal history. He's been charged with five counts of homicide already. Reports say that Brooks was recently let out on a $1,000 bail. So could this have been prevented? And what really happened here? Why was a career criminal released on bail at all? Let's talk to former NYPD officer, conservative commentator, John Cardillo. John, thanks for being with us. Always good to see you, Buck. Thanks. Hey, John, according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Daryl Brooks was out on bail after he was charged with purposely running over a woman, actually the mother of one of his children, with his car. Two days later, he's involved in this mass murder incident because that's what this is, and people need to understand that is what, what happened yeah. here. How could this guy be released on $1,000 bail with an extensive criminal history and trying to run somebody over with his vehicle days ago? Come on, Democrats' uh, bail reform policies, which really means the elimination of cash bail, they're letting violent criminals out around the country. But this is particularly egregious. Because like you say, Buck, he was landed on a thousand dollars bail, meaning he only had to post a hundred bucks if he didn't have the grand bail bondsman would have put up the, the other nine hundred dollars. And he had he was released on two violent felonies, reckless endangerment and another and four or five misdemeanors. This after a long criminal history, social media postings, uh, hating Donald Trump and conservatives, talking about uh, uh, running people over hatred of whites. There's a video now surfaced of him where he admits to being a child molester, to being a pimp who impregnated an underage, the 16-year-old prostitute that he trafficked. I'm going to use the left's favorite term from this week, across state lines. But in this case, that's actually a federal crime. That would be kidnapping. So it would apply here. I mean, this was a bad, bad guy. And either it was bail reform or a clueless judge, but it sure looks like Democrat policies 
put this guy on the street to kill five innocents. I mean, here is Brooks's criminal rap sheet. Just to give folks a sense of what we're talking about here. This is someone who, I mean, you just get a sense of it. Those are all criminal offenses. Somebody who has had more than his share of run-ins with the law. And here, John, is also the Milwaukee district attorney uh, admitting that they screwed up by letting Brooks out on bond just days before the, the Christmas parade attack. The state's bail recommendation in this case was inappropriately low in light of the nature of the recent charges pending against Mr. Brooks. The bail recommendation in this case is not consistent with the approach of the Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office toward matters involving violent crime. The office is doing an internal review. Okay, so they're saying, yeah, we shouldn't let him out on bail, but do you think this, will they really change any of their procedures or approaches here? No, and I'm going to go as far as to say they're flat out lying, because let me tell you something, this is not, Milwaukee's a busy city. So it's a good-sized American city. It's, it's got its share of crime proportional to other large cities. No assistant district attorney would ever have asked, have asked for $1,000 bail for a bad guy like this unless she knew that's what her or he knew that's what their bosses wanted. So I believe, having been an arresting officer in many, many cases, having worked with district attorney's offices, I believe that that assistant DA who asked for that bail recommendation, that's who they're, when they say the state asked for, et cetera, that means an assistant district attorney at the arraignment asked for that low bail. They would not have, they don't have the discretion to do that unless that was a directive from their bosses up to and including the district attorney themselves. John, there's also the major question here of motive. Uh, as of sure. this morning, as you and I uh, sit here, it's, it's evening time. But as of this morning, the story was that Brooks was fleeing another incident involving a knife. Later on in the police press conference they hold in the afternoon, they said that there was no police chase. The video right. seems to show very clearly Brooks driving his car up to this parade and then deciding to making the affirmative decision to mow people down with his car. It's not like he blew yeah. through an intersection and didn't realize there were people that were about to be crossing or found, you know, it's not like he was in a high speed chase and just happened to, he drove his car into the crowd. I mean, there's video of this. So what do you make of the fleeing another incident analysis that they've given us? Oh, I think it's disgraceful. Look, CNN, I'm going to call out in particular moron Essie Cup. Breaking, he was fleeing another crime. CNN, everybody on CNN, oh, he was going to be the victim himself of a knife attack. These were lies. These were disgraceful lies. And the Waukesha Police Department proved that they were lies when later in the day, they charged him with five counts of intentional first degree murder. The trash, the trash corporate media spent a full day contorting themselves, embarrassing themselves, doing everything they could do to downplay the murder of five innocents, 18 people in the hospital. I'm hearing six or so children in, in ICU in critical condition. And the trash corporate media just could not have a BLM supporting black man actually committing a crime. They, they, what they did to the American people with this egregious lie. But could you imagine the media response, the White House response, if this guy was a white Trump supporter who drove into a Ramadan event, my God, the FBI would have sent 300 agents and Merrick Garland would already have had the federal indictments in hand. It's, it's astonishing, John. I mean, the fact that they want us to believe that this individual was fleeing something. And so his, this is in Waukesha, Wisconsin. This, is, this guy wasn't right. stuck 
in midtown Manhattan and had no route of egress. He's in a small town in Wisconsin, basically, finds the one yep. place where there's a huge concentration of foot traffic, lines his car up, and mows people down, and Nails were to it. believe yep. that this is to evade law enforcement? Cops ended up shooting. This came up in the press conference. A cop actually discharged his weapon at Brooks in the car when he's allegedly, or apparently, as they say, trying to get away. It's the worst escape plan I've ever heard, John. It's ridiculous. And the night story is even more stupid, more idiotic. What was it, a lightsaber, a, a, a laser magical knife that can cut through a car? You're in your car. Put up the windows, lock the door, and drive 100 feet. He was escaping a knife attack. I mean, the media is embarrassed. Today was the day that if, if they had a shred, a modicum of credibility left, which we know they didn't, today was the day they put the final nail in their own coffin. This was so bad. This was so bad. They were justifying. They were justifying the intentional murders of five innocent people at a Christmas parade. The, the, the life-threatening injuries to children because this bad guy didn't fit their narrative. He was not a white conservative. John, we'll have more on this one later this week. Appreciate you coming here to shed some light on it early on. Good to see you. Good to see you, Buck. I'm a little fired up today. <laughs> I, I, we like fired soon. up Cardillo, man. We appreciate it. <laughs> have a good one. Due to Biden's rising inflation, NBC suggests that people forego the turkey this Thanksgiving as a way to cut costs. We'll discuss that coming up in quick hits. But right now, I want to tell you one more time about my friends at My Digital Money. Seems like everyone wants to invest in cryptocurrency these days, Bitcoin, Ethereum, any of the digital tokens out there, but it's not easy to get started. That's where my digital money comes in. It's an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with incredible customer service. It's one of the few U.S.-based crypto companies that will answer your phone call and help you get started. They offer an unparalleled military-grade security for your coins. Plus, you can even set up a Play Money account so you can test the market and see how you do without risking actual cash. Crypto is getting hot again. You want to get involved? Check out My Digital Money today. Again, that's MyDigitalMoney.com. Go to that website, MyDigitalMoney.com. Quick hits up next. Stay with us. Billionaire media mogul John Malone says CNN is in desperate need of actual journalists. And Representative Rashida Tlaib tries and fails to defend her support of the BREATHE Act. It is time for quick hits Let's start with this one, actually, because, you know, we had this terrible incident over the weekend, a mass murder. That's what it was. It was mass murder in Waukesha, Wisconsin, and we still haven't gotten specifics on the motive where a, an individual with the last name Brooks ran over a number of people, killing them and injuring dozens more. It's a horrible thing. I mean, it's an absolutely devastating uh, circumstance for that community, for the whole country. This is a Christmas parade, for heaven's sakes. But there are some Democrats who are truly out of their minds. I mean, they really are psychopathic in their response to media events. And here's Democrat Mary Lemansky, who took the opportunity right away to try to tie the Wisconsin mass murder to the Rittenhouse case. It was probably just self-defense, she tweeted out. Hashtag Wisconsin. Hashtag Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, no, it clearly was not. This is not a clever thing to say. This is not an acceptable thing to say. And uh, that woman has now had to uh, deal with some substantial pushback online and a lot of opprobrium, which she very much deserves. All right, now in an interview with CNBC, John Malone is a big-time media guy, 
called out something that I've been saying a long time. CNN is a joke of a place. It's not actually a news network. It's people that have opinions that they're engaged in under the, the veneer or behind the facade of journalism so that they don't have to actually answer for the things that they are putting out there for the propaganda they spew. John Malone sees this and says, you know what they could use over at CNN, which alleges to be a news organization? Actual journalists. I would like to see CNN evolve back to the kind of journalism that it started with and, uh, you know, actually have journalists, which would be unique and refreshing. Actually have journalists, which they do not. It is now opinion all the time, but they don't even have the courage to say that's what's going on. MSNBC is insane and is completely, as a channel, obsessed with race and racial narratives. And, but at least we all know it's opinion, right? At least we understand it is opinion journalism. This show, I do opinion journalism. I tell you what I think, why I think it, how I think it. I don't pretend that this is just facts devoid of any actual analysis or conclusions being drawn from those facts, right? There's honesty in that. CNN does not have that honesty. Meanwhile, NBC is out there suggesting that, you know what a good way, you know what a good way to deal with the high cost of Thanksgiving this year, the food, the actual bite of inflation now taking its chunk. You know what a good way to deal with it is? Just don't have turkey on Thanksgiving. Watch. And while we are on the topic of something that could be controversial, perhaps forego the turkey. Bear with me. Ooh. I know that is the staple of the Thanksgiving meal. However, some people think turkey is overrated. And so it tends to be the most expensive thing on the table. Maybe you do an Italian feast instead. And I will say this. If you tell everyone you're having a Thanksgiving without turkey, some guests may drop off the list and that's a way to cut costs too. Make your Thanksgiving less Thanksgiving-like so maybe fewer people will show up. What a brilliant... <laughs> What a brilliant way to deal with the rising inflation and the crappy economy because of Biden and the commies running around him that uh, are ruining things for America. What a shame. Um, then there's Rashida Tlaib of Congress who tried to talk about the Breathe Act. Watch this. When you endorsed as, uh, the Breathe Act, which yeah. is a series of proposals to transform America's criminal justice system mm -hmm. and create, quote, a roadmap for prison abolition. The BREATHE Act proposes emptying federal detention facilities within 10 years. To what extent have you wrestled with any potential downsides of releasing into society every single person who's currently in a federal prison? Yeah, I, again, I think that everyone's like, oh my God, we're going to just release everybody. That's not That's what, what the Yeah, says. but did you see how many people are mentally ill that are in prison right now? No, I know, but the act that you so endorsed actually gonna, says release everyone But in 10, in 10 years. years, but think about it. Who are releasing? But there are like human traffickers. Oh, I know. Child sex. So, but I you're mean, saying, do you mean that you don't actually support that? No. Because you endorsed the bill. No, I endorsed the BREATHE Act and looking at federal, the policies and how we incarcerate. Absolutely. But it says in there. But you cannot, you cannot. You cannot just blankly say, oh, look, she wants, that's not what I'm saying. But that's like in plain text. But Completely insane. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. But before I go, I want to take a moment to thank you for watching me here on The First TV. Now's the time to support free speech and the conservative voices that fight back. We speak for millions of Americans as cultural elites work behind the scenes to silence your voice. The woke left is on a mission to burn the Constitution and cancel you in the process. That stops now. 
Your support allows us to bring you the most important conservative voices of our time. As a first supporter, you'll get premium content from hosts you know and love, access to TV specials, exclu exclusive emails, and other membership benefits from our hosts. Enjoy weekly specials through our website as well as our apps on Roku, iOS, Android, and Apple TV. Please go to thefirsttv.com support or the First TV app and learn how you can join the fight by supporting the first. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high.